as God intended. Let's go. Aloha and welcome healers to Looking for Healing Radio, where pharmaceuticals are never medicine, but love always is. And thank you so much for listening and sharing everything we're doing with Looking for Healing Radio. All of my wonderful healing homies, Nicola Burnett, Dr. Janice Schmidt, Dr. Brian Artis, and of course myself every Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific, right here on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network. Also, you can find us via recorded podcast on AmericaOutloud.com and go ahead and get that iHeartRadio, Spotify, or Pandora network, um, you know, app as you can so that we can get you on there too, because we're on those networks as well. Just go ahead and download the America Out Loud phone app for Apple, Android, or Alexa and listen in wherever you may be. Looking for Healing Radio is also sponsored by GlobalHealing.com, simply the finest, most potent, most effective natural medicines in the world today. Feel the difference, integrity, and love for medicine making can make for you. Go to GlobalHealing.com and enter promo code OUTLOUD. That's promo code OUTLOUD to discover the medicine God intended for us all. Folks, I'm going to tell you firsthand, I use it. I use Global Healing's products every day. I love what Dr. Group is doing. To me, he's doing it the best in the world, and I'm just a big, big fan. So make sure you get those incredible deals and find Global Healing and all the wonderful America Out Loud sponsors at americaoutloud.shop. Lastly, folks, we have Healing for the Ages, September 7th, September 8th, September 9th. September 7th is going to be free for the world. September 8th and 9th, you're going to have to register for, and we hope you do. Go to healingfortheages.com. We're going to be talking about healing in the age of bioweapons. That's right. We're going to be talking about 5G. We're going to be talking about graphene oxide. We're going to be talking about venoms. We're going to be talking about glycoproteins. We're going to be talking about plasmids. We're going to be talking about GMO bacteria and weaponizing of the microbiome. We're going to be talking about CRISPR technology and gene drive technology and how God already has the answers for us. We just have to learn how to use them. So check us out please go ahead and sign up for at least the free masterclass on September 7th. Go to healingfortheages.com. All right, healers, we got a great show for you today. We got a special guest, Dr. Dan Goodnow from the Goodnow Research Institute. Um, I've been telling you for a long time, folks, we're going to be bringing you people that you may not know, you may have never heard of, but they love you anyway. And they've been fighting for you, whether you realize it or not. These are great folks that are doing great things in the world. And Dr. Dan is certainly doing one, helping people recover, helping especially little children recover from autism and helping our senior population recover and restore their neurologic function with, uh, you know, with respect to you know, all the things that go on, dementia and I'm sure Parkinson's and, you know, and all the things that are afflicting two very important ends of our spectrum, our wisdom, keepers, our seniors, and our bringers of the new light, our children into the world. I've been doing some crazy, crazy research, folks, and I'm not going to get into that in this show. I'm going to have a whole show for that. Um, uh, I, I don't know when I'm going to record that show, but I got to see if it's going to be for it. But we, I think we've stumbled upon some really interesting things historically here that kind of start helping us make sense of all the crazy that's going on today. Um, so I'll be doing a whole show on that in, in the future. 
But before I get into some facts about autism, because this is definitely a topic I'm very passionate about, and it's so wonderful to see that there's so many people out there who are passionate about it as well, because we have so many moms, right? So many great moms out there that just are dealing with this. And look, I'm not, let's not kid ourselves. We know why this is. It's the damn shots. It's the damn childhood vaccine schedule that's never been tested for safety, let alone interactions. It's introducing too many pollutants to a developing nervous system too soon and wondering why this is happening. This is exactly what happens when you introduce aluminum, when you introduce you know, mercury and all these heavy metals, when you introduce aborted human fetal tissue and formaldehyde and acetone and green monkey kidney cells and canine cells and bovine serum from calves that you've extracted the serum from while they were still in the mother's womb, you know, while their heart was still beating, this kind of psychopathic, sadistic kind of things that they're trying to pass off as medicine and necessary to alleviate some perceived idea of, uh, of potential infections. We're trying to protect you from what might happen. And to do so, we're going to be sadistic and we're going to be completely ridiculous in the process, right? Um, you, you all know me about vaccines. I, I've been railing on these forever. And I, you know, we take some heat from stupid people sometimes but you know what what i wanted to get into is just this conversation of it's time for us to have adult conversations folks it's time for us to start talking without fear and only with courage about what's going on in our world because i don't know about you but i lived through the fires up and down northern uh really the entirety of california and oregon and washington in 2020 during that election cycle there is no way that those fires were climate change because climate change is bullshit. There's no way. Now, they were human caused, and that's that little illusion that they're putting out there. All right. But there's no way that that many fires all spark up and down a thousand miles of land just magically without being started themselves. And what happened when we did start finding the people who are starting the fires, whatever happened to them, nothing. You never hear another word after they get arrested of doing it. Arsonists, arsonists destroying our wonderful trees, our wonderful forests, the things that we depend upon to breathe, arsonists doing this for dollars. And who's paying them these dollars? Are we arresting those people and putting them in jail? No? Oh, okay. Guess what happens a few years later? Canada, all those fires up there. Well, wait a second. People are talking about seeing these sparks, these sparks of light that came in. Like, I don't know what it was, but it just got really bright. Can we have a conversation about directed energy weapons? Can we ask, was this a directed energy weapon? Can we wonder, are people being paid deliberately to set these fires? Because I want to know. And no, I'm not satisfied that because you said it didn't happen or you want to dismiss me as a conspiracy theorist. No, I'm not satisfied with that. So can we have an adult conversation about this? Because they're trying to destroy something I love, Mother Earth. They're trying to injure the ability of humanity to perpetuate our divine existence. I get a little upset about that. And no, it's not good enough because we said so. You know why? Because the trust has been irreparably broken. Why? Because you've lied and lied and lied. And when you've gotten caught in lies, you lie again. 
So no, I'm not going to trust a liar ever. And no, I'm not going to be cool about it either, ever. You know why? Because you're hurting children and you're hurting seniors and you're hurting everyone in between. And I don't care why you're doing it. I care that it stops. I already know why you're doing it and the sadistic nature of it. And we just saw it again in Maui. What are they talking about with Maui and the Hawaiian Islands? This beautiful, sacred land. Land that I would love to call home one day. A land that I feel an intense kinship with because of the values of the Aloha spirit. That they've The wonderful people of Hawaii have gotten this right. Many people don't know what Hawaii means. Hawaii, if you want to pronounce it correctly. It means ha, breath, vi, water, e, in. It means breath in the water. And they're trying to take the breath out of the water right now. And what did they do on Maui? You mean to tell me that that all started accidentally or climate change? Bullshit. I know what I've seen the last few years. I know that's kicking off an election cycle. I know what's going on here because what's your platform going to be? The only thing, fear. And what do you want to make people afraid of? Climate change, something that is man-made. You're damn right it's man-made. It's made by you evil bastards not by somebody driving their car. I've done the math. I've published peer-reviewed papers on this. I know what's going on. Your goal to get to net zero carbon is impossible. The only way you can do that is to kill off all life on this planet. But nobody stops to think about that when they read the Paris Peace Accords, the few that have. How stupid an idea of a net zero carbon is. You can't get there unless you kill off all life. You want net zero carbon? Go to Mars. You'll get net zero carbon emissions. So, yeah, I'm a little fired up right now because all I'm seeing is the people making our world worse. This heaven that we've been given by our creator, making it worse. And we're sitting there arguing about how it happened or just being outraged instead of using that outrage as a focal point to say something. Somebody asked me a question yesterday on Twitter. They were like, well, what should we do? And I'm thinking to myself, my God, really? I've got to tell you. I'm constantly come back to the scene in the Bible of Jesus with the bullwhip. And for anybody who's like, Jesus didn't exist? Bullshit. Yes, he did. Do you know how I know? Because not only do the Christians talk about Jesus existing, but the occultists do as well. So when we talk about Maui, the thing that irritates me is, guess what's happening September 25th in Maui? A convention to discuss the digitization of the islands and to build smart cities. Well, wouldn't it make sense? If you want to bring in the new, you got to get rid of the old. So what do they do? Is it a directed energy weapon? I don't know. But something and someone deliberately started those fires on sacred land, and they killed hundreds of people, and they destroyed damn near everything. And I'm getting to the point where it's time for Jesus with the bullwhip 
not to turn the other cheek. Because these bullies are going to keep treating our earth like it's their furnace. Unless we're ready to start making some stands. Well, Doc, that sounds dangerously close to you advocating for violence. No, I'm not advocating for violence. I am advocating for the defense of that which is sacred and that which has love in it. Because that's what Jesus was doing. It's time to chant down Babylon. And I'll tell you more about that in another episode, either on this program or on Energetic Health Radio, because I have a lot to say about the origins of so much of what we think we don't know what it comes from. I'm going to talk to you about the 13th zodiac sign and what it means. I'm going to tell you where all my research has taken me studying Baphomet. And not studying because I'm trying to fuck Baphomet. Yeah, I said it. I'm so tired of all of this, folks. That evil keeps moving forward and we keep being outraged. We got to do better than this. We have to start the conversation about what we're going to do to protect everything and all the people that we love. And if we're not having those adult conversations, then shame on us. Because I don't know if you've checked current events. There hasn't been one day since they pushed the go button in 2020 that this has slowed down. Not one day where they've backed up. Not one day where they've backed off. Not one day where we can definitively say the tide is turning. Public opinion is changing very rapidly. We all see that. But we haven't seen them stop. You don't stop a bully by being nice. You don't stop a bully by asking that bully, please stop hitting me, Mr. Bully. Please, pretty please, will you stop hitting me? Will you stop beating my face in? Will you start stop hurting the people I love? That's not how this goes. I look at people and I say, if somebody was beating your dog in front of you, what would you do? Well, I got good news for you. Somebody is beating your dog in front of you right now. So what are you going to do? What we are going to do at the Energetic Health Institute is help the people in need immediately. We're launching a donation campaign. I have people on the ground in Maui that I trust And we want to put money in their hands so that they can buy the food, the water, the clothes for as many people as they can. There's my bullwhip. That every time you do something evil, we're going to make sure we turn it into good. There's my bullwhip. And if you come knocking on my door with this bullshit, we're going to have a very different conversation. And I promise you, one you will not like. It is time, my people, healers, it is time to start having adult conversations and to start getting in the mentality of defending that which we love. It is time. 
We'll be right back with Dr. Dan Goodnow and more Looking for Healing Radio right after these messages. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the Wellness Company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Cofix RX Nasal Solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Cofix RX. For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. Let's double down against colds, flus, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID, and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. Healers, welcome back. Looking for Healing Radio is also sponsored by the Energetic Health Institute, an amazing school for amazing students just like you. The best way to be free is to be healthy. Learn how at energetichealthinstitute.org. Holistic nutrition, fasting, detoxification, the art of cellular healing, and so, so much more. Join the EHI family and let's make tomorrow amazing. Energetichealthinstitute.org. Also, folks, make sure you have at least signed up for the free masterclass. Healing for the Ages, September 7th. The whole conference is 7th, 8th, and 9th, but the free portion is on the 7th. Go to healingfortheages.com. We are going to be talking about all of the problems that we face due to really letting people with really nefarious intentions run amok for 50 years. We've got to start having this adult conversation it affects every single person on the planet. All right. So make sure you sign up for that healing for the ages.com. All right. Well, folks, today I'm here with a very special guest, and I'm going to tell you an incredibly well-researched, reasoned, and deep thinker in our midst. Remember, my whole thing with you has been I want to introduce you to people who love you that you've never met. Well, we have with us Dr. Dan Goodenow founder of the Good Now Research Institute and Prodrome Sciences. And I got to say, sir, thank you so much for cutting out some time and joining us. How are you doing today, brother? Thank you, Henry. Happy to be here. All right, man. Well, folks, we got some great stuff coming in the next segment. Great stuff about plasmologens, about some of this phenomenal work that Dr. Dan's doing, proving how you can reverse a brain that is trending towards Alzheimer's or already there. He's got some great stuff he's going to talk with us about. But I wanted to have a little chat with him about, I like the deep thinking side of this dude. He's just got some really great things to say and things for you to contemplate. So you had a wonderful statement that when we were off air, uh, Doc, you were uh, talking about science and, and you have this statement that you make. Can you share that statement and explain it a little bit to our audience? Sure. So what we were talking about was that science at its core is the business of proving things wrong. Yeah, scientists can't prove something right. You make a hypothesis and then 
you basically take a hammer and you try to beat the hell out of it until it fails. And if you can't make it fail, you have to accept it until someone can actually make it fail. And it's through that process of forcing failure that we get better and better. That's how you get better brake pads in your car. That's how you get better health. It's through it's through failure that we improve our understanding. And science is the bill is is in the is the purpose of creating a hypothesis and then trying your life to prove it wrong. And it's turned backwards. It's turned into whereas religion is typically in a faith based system where you you have a belief and then you try to push everything to um, fit into that belief structure. And so we take these, there's a lot of very large scientific philosophies that are just quite frankly, provably false. The big ones, evolution, big bang, completely total fantasy land of a scientist, provably false situations. And then you deal with these simpler ones like Alzheimer's and the amyloid hypothesis and some of the ways we think about different diseases are again in that realm of people who get an idea and then they become so personally attached to it that it's no longer a scientific exercise. Mm-hmm. And some of the real good value that we have in that science gets lost because the amyloid is a good, it's a good biomarker. Tau formation or neurofilter tangles, you know, your brain is not supposed to have those. So studying it is a good thing because you say, well, where do they come from? You know, why did they occur? Um, and so that that's where science is still valuable because that's how we get, um, you know, provable outcomes. And so, yeah, so that's where my, over the years for me, you know, it didn't happen instantly, kind of happened organically because, you know, when I started my research in, you know, biochemistry and the, the chemistry of the brain, my background's in psychiatric medicine and, and how the brain works. And back in the 80s and 90s, and then in late 90s, I invented a technology called non-targeted metabolic profiling, which allowed me to measure thousands and thousands of molecules. And I also came up with this, you know, I had this pre-existing belief that, you know, we look for disease, we find disease. If we can fix disease, that's all that matters, right? Because all you have to do is kind of fix a disease. And then I started learning with the biochemistry and with this very advanced technology that that was actually not true. So I was able to diagnose someone with colon cancer or pancreatic cancer or Alzheimer's disease. And because there's biomarkers, obviously, if you see someone with a physiological difference, you know, person A versus person B, there has to be a biological correlate by definition. And that's true. You can actually, you know, I can, we can predict who, which women will get ovarian cancer, which women will not. But what was not understood at the time was that when people got their disease corrected, so someone with colon cancer, they go in, they get the colon cancer removed, they get considered cancer-free. Well, the majority of the biomarkers don't change. Okay, so so the reality was that the the disease isn't isn't causing the changes in your biochemistry. Changes in your biochemistry are creating a disease. And this was, and I had to repeat the study twice in two different universities. Uh, I, I got to stop you right there. You've got to repeat that again. Everybody in the audience, you have to hear what Dr. Dan just said about biomarkers. Say that one more time. So biomarkers, yeah. So biomarkers 
are markers. There's two different types or three different types, but two main types are the biomarker of a disease, right? Like if you have something growing in you, it's going to have an effect on your body. Clearly you have biomarkers of that, but there's the biomarkers that gave you the disease in the first place, right? That preceded the disease. And this is where the company called Prodrome was created to look at the Prodrome, that which become comes before, because that is the biggest issue is that the body changes due to your health. You lose your, you don't get disease. Okay. You lose health. And actually from a scientific philosophy person, this is if any, if you don't get anything else from this conversation is the understanding that the absence of a negative is not a positive. Mm -hmm. There's no such thing as cold, right? We can't scientifically, I cannot tell you what cold is. Cold is the absence of heat. Okay. There is only one thing. There's heat. There's either lots of it or less of it, but there's no such thing as cold. I can't, I can't add cold to your house, right? I can take heat out of your house, but I can't add cold. And same thing with love versus hate, right? If you remove hate, you're not going to create love, right? You have to add love to remove hate, right? And so when it comes to life and people think about immortality and they think about this portrait of Dorian Gray concept, or they think of reversing aging, okay? None of those things are possible because you don't actually, there's no such thing as death. This is the other part. Like death actually is not a thing. Death is the absence of a thing. Okay. Death is the absence of life. So we're actually all born with immortality. We lose our immortality. Okay. So it's, it's so immortality is not something you go out and seek. It's, it's something that you're actually born with and then you lose it because there's no such thing as death. Death is the loss of life. Right. And so when you talk about, when we start thinking about this concept of disease and health, we realize that the deviation from health is what creates a disease. Cancer is a really good example, right? If you take a look at the, the regional distribution of cancer, like the cancer incidence rates in India versus the United States, right? Very dramatic differences. Or look at the cancer incidence of people who move from one geographical region to another region. All of a sudden, those incidence rates change in association with the region that they move towards. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the cell types of the body, right? from the breast cell to the prostate cell to the colon cell, pancreatic. So the incidence of cancer in your body is very, very diverse. You don't get the same rate of cancers in different types of body. In fact, you have some cell types that are virtually immune to cancer. You virtually never, ever get cancer of your muscles, virtually never, ever get cancers of your heart. So clearly cancer is something that that is related to the environmental conditions. And you have certain cell types that are more susceptible to becoming you know, cancer susceptible than others. And that's, and so what I started dealing with was realization that health is the singularity in all of this, right? Your health, my health, everyone's health is exactly the same. There's no deviation. What ha- Where we deviate from is our deviations from health, which can then lead to a disease, right? So we take type two diabetes, for example, right? A simple one. Now the outcomes of type two diabetes can be very, very different. Some people will get cardiovascular disease. Some people will go blind. You might get, you know, so there's a whole bunch of, you know, diabetic neuropathies. And so each of us will have a different canary in the coal mine. So you put a stressor on a system and then it's going to attack the weakest link. COVID vaccine is a good example, right? Mm -hmm. You don't get, you know, some people have myocarditis, some people get brain fog and so on and so forth. And so what was really eye-opening for me during this process was, well, you know what? all of these research studies we've been doing for the last hundred years, 
Every single one of them has a control arm, right? I was like healthy control versus pancreatic cancer, healthy control versus colon cancer, healthy control versus Alzheimer's, healthy aging, blah, blah, blah. So in fact, the healthy control arm is the most advanced studied of all human conditions. And so, and since we can actually understand how the human body is supposed to work and is designed to work, all we have to do is measure deviations from that health. Hmm. Now we can look at, we can look at the deviations from that health and say, what is the most likely outcome of this deviation, right? You can say, okay, plasmalogens in the brain most likely relate to reduced cognition, re cognitive functioning, reduced, you know, your methyltransferase system gets reduced, the most likely outcome, you're going to get neurofibular tangles in the brain and so on and so forth, right? And so you, you can actually understand the outcome, but likewise, I don't really need to know that. I, I don't need to wait for my engine disease to put oil in the, in the crankcase, right? Like I actually know enough that this is what it's supposed to be. I don't have to know really beyond that. And, and we don't play God because we're really kind of gifted with this, this organism that we have. And the complexity of the human organism is something so vast that most people don't really comprehend the specialization. Like you're dealing with 30 to 60 trillion cells in the human body all of which were generated from a single cell at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And this is where I talk about adaptation versus evolution, right? You take a look at a Great Dane versus Chihuahua. They can have a, they can have a reproducibly viable offspring. But you take a zebra, a horse, and a donkey, you can crossbreed them, but they're all sterile outcomes. Mm -hmm. So you have, and you take a look at a single cell that you're born with from fertilization. That cell will become a cardiomyocyte. It'll become a neuron. It'll become part of your eye. And so if you look at the vast difference in cell types across the human body, all of which generated from one type of cell. And th same thing with humans, right? Some humans will be school teachers. Some humans will be firefighters. Some humans will be politicians, right? And if you grow up in a family of school teachers, you have a higher probability of being a school teacher yourself. So you kind of, or depending on where you grow up, your environment, but it doesn't mean that any person, if I take any human being, I take them out of a house of school teachers and put them in a house of firefighters that 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 human will become a fire has no there's nothing stopping that person from being a firefighter they just choose not to do that right they get in an environment so the adaptation of these biological systems that we have is actually quite vast and that's kind of where understanding this concept of health and vitality and this idea that you can reverse aging is really a false concept. What you want to be able to do is you want to perpetually age without losing function because you can't go backwards. You can only go forward. So you have to, you have to continue to go forwards to a continually healthier state and maintain that state because your body doesn't stop. Like your heart doesn't stop beating. Like, you, like it doesn't, like there's no reversal. You have to be going forward, but the place that you're going forward to you are in charge of creating the environment that your body and your brain and your life and your, your emotions will adapt towards, right? If you put yourself in the right circumstances, feed yourself the right nutrients, then your body is going to do that. I take a professional football player, throw him on the couch and say, don't move for the next six months. He's, <laughs> he's going to adapt to the couch, right? His body will adapt to that couch and you will become non-functional. And so I think that's the biggest thing people think this programmatic, people get this thing, my body's programmed to do this, I'm programmed to die, I'm programmed to do this and that and the other thing. 
And quite, you know, you gotta you gotta break that concept of programming because it's scientifically it's bullshit. Okay. It's basically what you're dealing with. People are people are misconstruing what looks like a programmed event to what is actually an adaptive event. Mm-hmm. And and once you realize that, you realize how much actual power you have in controlling your future trajectories. And so, yeah, so, yeah. And, and to bring it back, how do you get there? Science is the business of proving things wrong. Correct. So what did, what did you prove wrong? That it's programmed, that everything is pre-planned, that all, there's this magical thing happening, but it doesn't belie that you get to de- be the determinant. You get to determine what, is going to happen by your choices and by your actions. You know, what, what's going to happen to you tomorrow, <clears throat> a year from now, 10 years from now, is by what you're doing today. Like you said with the couch, if your choice is I'm going to sit on the couch and I'm going to eat whatever the TV shows me that looks like it tastes good, well, you've just determined where you're going. Your body is going to adapt to that environment that you've created and the result is probably going to be something that you don't like right. too much. Right? And the trick now is, is having a conversation with your body, right? Your body can't go to the store and choose ice cream versus, you know, chicken breast, right? Mm-hmm. So it relies on you to do that, right? Or figure out which B vitamins you need. And so mm-hmm. this, this is where the measurement technology comes in because it's really a communication between you and your body. Your body, your biochemistry is all these thousands and thousands of molecules circulating through your bloodstream. It's telling you what it wants and what it doesn't want. And it's, it's a language. And all you have to do is listen to the language. And then it's your job to, it's your job to create the environment that is consistent with your particular genotype. Because we have, obviously we have variances, right? Some people like can handle the cold. We've all, we've all been in offices where you got that one person who, you know, you get two people that can't have the same temperature in the house. Right. So we all have these differences, right? And so we, it's our job then to not fight our genes. Okay, this that's the that's the greatest exercise in self-hate you can possibly do is hate your genes. Like your genes are you, right? That's what, and so it's your job to kind of create the environment that's conducive to your particular um, um, you know distribution of genes. So. And and it's beautiful, you know. We're gonna we're gonna come back with Dr. Dan. I wanted to just give you a chance, folks, to listen to him talk because he's brilliant. All right. And, and when you listen to people that have figured some stuff out, I think the thing that comes across is the ability to express complex ideas in a way people can understand. Yeah. I just, me, I've just been wrong more than most people. Well, this is, this is what Thomas Edison said, right? <laughs> I wish I could fail faster. Right. Exactly. I, I, right. Exactly. And then we joke about it. We laugh about it. Like, well, that was a stupid thought. You know what I mean? And you move on to the next one. That's correct. You don't, yeah. you don't entrench yourself in a belief like you were saying as well. So just to finish this thought and then we'll go to break is one of my key things, Dr. Dan is, is this, when I hear somebody acting like they're representing science, but using the phrase, I believe. Yeah. As soon as I hear that, I'm like, you're talking about faith now. You're not talking about science anymore. And anything you say after the statement, I believe this, is a statement of faith that has no place in a scientific discourse, right? It just, it, it doesn't. And I, that's all we've heard the last three years 
from this cult, all right, is the same statements. I believe this. I believe this vaccines are safe and effective. Really? Because we don't need to believe anything that we can prove. Yeah. Right? It just kind of comes down to that. So why don't you show me the proof? Oh, you can't. That's why you're back on to beliefs because science has become a religion. We're going to talk about that to start the next segment. And then we're going to get into some of these, this really incredible work because you dropped a couple of gems in there talking about neurofibrillary tangles and, you know, and methylation pathways and all kind of cool stuff that some people were like, you know, but that's all right, folks, we're going to help you with it. Cause it's actually some, it's just, when you study the body, you can't help but be overwhelmed and impressed at the magnitude and magic of its design and how it all kind of works together from just like what Dr. Goodnow said, everybody, a single cell. It all started as a single cell, this amazing thing that we call life. So we'll be right back with uh, Dr. Day and Goodnow and more looking for healing radio right after these messages. The out loud truth was the rallying call that started it all. America Out Loud News was an idea, a movement, a place where folks would feel comfortable speaking the truth without being censored or canceled. The First Amendment is alive and well. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Welcome back. I'm here with Dr. Dan Goodnow, founder of the Goodnow Research Institute. And you can learn more about all the incredible work that Dr. Goodnow and his team are doing at drgoodnow.com. That's G-O-O-D-E-N-O-W-E and an E at the end before you put .com on it. Drgoodnow.com. All right, Doc, um, you know, we're talking about science and I want to spend just a second here on something we left on the last segment, the difference between science and religion and what's going on, because I think we're both seeing the same thing. Science has morphed into a religious expression and not science. Can you give the audience a little bit about your feelings and what you think about what's going on in so-called science right now? Yeah, there's, you know, I actually write about this in the last chapter of my book called Breaking Alzheimer's. And so, and where I talk about how community medicine is where we have to move forward to, but also a couple of things that people don't realize, like something like the Bay Dole Act in the 80s. People have no idea what that means, but what it did is it took, prior to that act of Congress, the universities, which is public funding, um, couldn't file patents. Okay, basically, the federal government owned all the IP, and they basically only gave out non-exclusive licenses to things. So you had virtually very little scientific um, patenting. And this is where the good fences make good neighbors kind of concept 
because there is a root, there is a purpose for commercialization in the patent structure where people file a patent, they make an improvement, and it's a social contract, right? I make an invention, and I, in exchange for disclosing my invention to the public, I'm giving an exclusive right to practice it for X number of years, right? And that is, should be a constant battle between public health and private enterprise. And the, the tension between the two should be, if private enterprise wants to come up with something, they better do it faster than the public health because those are your, your tax dollars and it's a it's should be free for all, right? That's the whole point of it. And you should be looking at technology that is being after the patent. So the social contract is, hey, here's some guy who invents this great technology and he wants to make it for the betterment of everybody and you give them that, that person some exclusive rights, but then that becomes public property when these patent expires. And we don't do that. We don't actually take advantage of this off-patent technology that we can take event, we can use. And the big realization to me, I know I'm getting on a tangent, is that why I created the Dr. Goodnow Institute in Proton Sciences was I come from the biotech industry. Like I come from that pharmaceutical hat-wearing, you know, person with the venture capitalist and patenting a whole bunch of stuff. And did all these large clinical trials in Alzheimer's, colon cancer. Like I've ran some of the most the largest colonoscopy trial, a simple blood test, we can diagnose colon cancer with 87% accuracy with the same blood test as used for inborn errors metabolism, same, same type of technology. And I, we, we ran 50,000 blood samples in Ontario, Canada. But could you get governments to implement it? No, because they were all dealing with the fecal you know, histochemical test. And so you get this, and going, how, why is this science not being implemented at the public level? Or pancreatic cancer? or ovarian cancer, very, very large clinical trials um, that have performed on these things. And so at some point in time, I came up and I said, you know what, I'm done beating my head against the wall. How many more patents can I file? How many more clinical trials can I do just for them to sit on a shelf? Mm -hmm. And so now we're at this point where say, you know, we need to actually create implementation because our issue really isn't in the scientific discovery process because the data out there, and there is some really good research by very good researchers, but this stuff doesn't get implemented into, people don't get access to use it. And so my passion over the last several years has been saying, how do we create a parallel health system? You know, How do I recruit doctors? How do I recruit protocols? And how do we actually get this technology into the hands of people who want to use it? It's kind of like the Amazon versus Robinson's May model, right? Like where do you, you know, if you're forced to get all of your groceries and clothing from the mall, like you're stuck with getting what, you know, people can get, you know, get at the mall stores. But what Amazon or the internet and others have allowed, it's created this larger distribution of, of goods and services. And so, that, and but we want to stay anchored to the science of it all. And so in, in, the problem we have right now is that these public institutions, we don't have public health anymore. Um, we don't have community health anymore. We have palliative care, basically. It's just like, how do we keep people happy and lazy for as long as possible? Mm -hmm. so, so that's kind of where my passion is. And so when we start dealing with, you know, real things that you can do that, that are documentable, um, you can look at the before and after effects and people can see because this lack of trust in some of these institutions is people do follow their peer networks, right? Like, you know, it's like, you know, hey, 
I got a problem with my car. Do you have a friend that, you know, recommend a, you know, body shop for me, right? So we still all naturally do that because the world is so big, it's it's hard for us all to do, you know, meta research on every single topic in our lives. And so we do rely on others and we rely on groups of people that we then build the trust network. And, you know, we have levels of how deep down a rabbit hole individuals want to go on the data sets. So anyway, so that's kind of my ramblings. But then the two areas that I've been focusing a lot on is dementia and the elderly, because I think elder abuse and elder neglect is one of the biggest issues that we have in our society. Mm. And the other side of the, the coin is uh, early childhood development and this autism epidemic that's going on. And it's not it's not abating anytime soon. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because we, we've seen a pretty incredible video, in my opinion, uh, from from you on the autism side, for sure. Can you tell us a little bit about that uh, story in, in the time we have left and, and the little, the child that you've been working with and helping? Yeah. So, so in terms of neurological health and restoring brain health, because ultimately, so for all of you guys, like the brain is the only part of your body you can't replace. Okay. Mm-hmm. You can replace your arm. You can get someone to pump your heart. You can put yourself on an iron lung, but when you lose your brain, you lose who you are. Okay. It's, and it's one, and you only get one and you better take care of it. And so understanding brain health and neurological health, and it's a big piece of fat in your skull and your brain shrinks as you get older and it shrinks when it shrinks, it loses fat. It's like a grape tripping into a raisin, but whereas a grape to a raisin, you lose water. When your brain shrinks, you lose fat and a critical molecule that our bodies require for restoring brain structure and function is a class of molecules called plasmalogens. Now, most people have never heard of these things, but they're not trivial. Over 50% of your heart membrane lipids are plasmalogens, and they are what prevents myocarditis. And this is how we bring people out of the long COVID stories, right? And then your lungs, children that are born prematurely, go often have bronchial, um, um, bronchial issues and bronchial dysplasias, and that's caused by a plasmalogen deficiency in the lungs and reduces oxygenation rates. But when plasmalogens decrease in your brain, and we're talking... 30% of your brain volume, higher levels in your synapse, like not, not a small amount. And when we're born, when humans are born, okay, we're born with our neurons, but not the protective coating. So all the wires in your wall that have a copper wire in the center and has a plastic coating around it, we're born with bare copper wires. And then as we learn and as we develop, the protective coating gets wrapped around those things. And in early childhood development, Human breast milk has one of the critical molecules required for that. And the reason why childhood development in breastfed babies versus non-breastfed babies is quite dramatically different is because of this myelination rate. And it's because human breast milk has plasmalogens. Cow's milk does not, formula does not. And so children that have this plasmalogen deficiency, like if they're born with a genetic problem, okay, they're, they have dwarfism, they have severe neurological disorders, their brains are shrunken, and so I invented plasmalogen precursors. So, because your body can't take them. You say, well, that's great. If I just eat someone's if I eat tissue, I should be able to get plasmalogens in my food supply. The problem is that they're very, very sensitive to acid. Your body makes them to basically be cannon fodder for oxidative stress, if you will, right? It pumps them out to, to neutralize oxidative stress. And they have other issues in the membrane structure. So you can't eat very many of them. So breast milk has plasmalogen precursors, not actual final plasmalogens, and your body can absorb those and convert them into final plasmalogens. So what I did is I invented natural, basically, you know, off of the human breast milk 
structure, but targeting both brain synapses, which is the omega-3 ones and the omega-9s, which deal with the myelination process. So little boy named Thatcher Miranda um, has RCBP. Um, it's a terminal disease. He would die from it. And so when he, since he started taking the plasmalogens, um, he went from not being able to walk to being able to walk. He's starting to become verbal. He, he, he's standing up. It, it's just, it's a remarkable transformation. So if you get a chance to see some of the videos, it's just right. Remarkable. The videos were just, were just yeah. clear. It's like, like you said, night and day, like this is before here's your after, you yeah. know, and something positive has clearly gone on. And how long did it take for the, the plasmalogen precursors to, uh, to start taking effect and, and really contributing to where you got him to ultimately? So within a few weeks or a couple of months, he started having some minor changes. But then over the course, he's been on them now for probably nine, 10 months. Well, yeah, around nine months. And so it's a continual process. And so I did an experiment on myself, for example. I'm a 54-year-old male. So I would normally have had about five, 6% brain shrinkage on average from this, from my twenties and thirties. And so I took high dose plasmalogens for 17 months, did an advanced MRI beforehand, advanced MRI after. And in 17 months, my brain volumes of my cortical have increased 7%. Okay. So I basically erased between 15 and 20 years of brain aging in 17 months with the same type of molecules that are in breast milk, just in much higher concentrations, of course. And in dementia, People in the elderly, like we have so many cases of people in my own family where, you know, you're getting restoration of neuromuscular function. And that's been published research and peer-reviewed research um, with Dr. Jordan's group of Santa Monica, where we've increased cognition and increased mobility with plasmalogens that are specifically related to neuromuscular function and synaptic function. And so these are the things that um, are real. And, you know, there's lots of information on them and people can now get into details. And then it's not just one thing, like plasmalogens are a big hammer, but I talk about methyltransferase function, your oxidative stress markers, your mitochondrial health, um, and understand how the human body is designed to work. It ha- it's very elegant. And you basically, if we learn, first of all, we need to hear from the body what it wants and what it doesn't want and feed it the right things, right? In, in a strategically you know, definable way. And then we want to monitor progress. And so this whole new um, wellness institute that I've created in Canada, it's actually an inpatient. We, we model aging from drugs of abuse, right? Because fundamentally aging is we're addicted to dying and death. Okay. We do things like no heroin addict out there says, oh, this heroin's good for me. Don't tell me I can't take heroin. They know what they're doing is bad for them, right? But they can't stop doing it right? And that's the definition of an addiction, right? And so people know they're doing things that aren't good for them. It's not like we don't know we're doing bad stuff when I'm eating crap at night and I'm not sleeping properly and I'm not doing resistance training. Like, so we know these things. We just can't seem to stop doing bad things. So part of this process is the rehabilitation and and reprogramming of people and giving them that kind of feedback loop and also creating purpose in people's life as you get older. People forget all the things that you did when you're growing up, going to school, raising a family, all these things gave you a reason to get up in the morning. And sometimes when they get older, they don't really have, they don't, they don't have the same type of purpose in their life. So people have to create purpose. And if you don't have one, you have to make one up. Okay. Because if you don't have a reason to live, you will not live. Your body has to have a reason. Your mind has to have a reason. 
to go seeking something else to do. And so part of this whole restoration program is obviously biochemical health, right? We supplement plasmalogens, mitochondrial health, you know, a bunch of critical components of the human physiology that is required as we, as we age. Proper um, neuromuscular development. That's a big thing. Skeletal muscle mass, sarcopenia in the elderly. It's the number one cause of diabetes, if not the entire cause of diabetes in the elderly is they lose their skeletal muscle mass. I can, I can talk a whole hour on that. And then finding purpose and creating a pattern in your life. And so we're, we now over the last couple of years have seen so much um, anecdotal, but re real changes. And there's so much evidence out there of certain particular diets, of certain exercises, and then obviously certain um, targeted nutrition supplementation. And so we take an agnostic approach. It's not about, and this is where the world has to change their thinking. The, the clinical trials, the FDA clinical trial model is valid for the testing of a single agent. Yes, if I, I wanna make sure I don't give someone, you know, you know, brake fluid as a drug. Okay, so that, that's, that's a valid concept, but it's not, able to do complex medicine or, or, or and it's, it's designed when I, when you run it, when you go into a clinical trial, you are a guinea pig, right? You're not the, you're not, you're not the purpose of a randomized clinical trial. The drug is the purpose, right? You're there to test the drug, not the other way around. You're not testing it. They're testing you. And, and that's so fine. That's valid. There's a reason for that. But we're, we've taken it and we turned it around. So we, we use all the same metrics, but these metrics are designed for the individual at hand. Okay, take a video of someone walking up instead of stairs. Okay, look at your sarcopenia, things that are actually meaningful. We'll still use the ADAS cog, we'll use pegboards, we'll use spirometry to measure lung function. You know, we'll put a holter to measure cardiovascular function over 12, 12 hours. But the point is, it's no longer to prove or disprove a drug process but for the individual to get a sense of their own self, okay? And it's their own, you know, personalized research. And that's what we, we've, we've changed the metric because what is meaningful to me as a scientist, I'm doing a clinical trial, is not the same thing that's meaningful to an individual, okay? And there's subtleties of individual health that have far more meaning. Do they pick up the phone? Do they get up, like there's subtleties in your life that are actually far, far more important to the quality of life and the meaning of someone's life than all these randomized clinical trials. And so we've kind of, this is a whole concept in this commitment to community medicine, and it starts at an individual level and actually getting that individual engaged in their own health and they can see themselves. The other problem I found over the years is that people forget when they're sick. They forget when they're sick and they'll remember if they get sick again, and so part of it is documenting people's progress so that they can actually feel good about themselves. They put the effort in, but you want to make sure that they actually realize that they're benefiting from the effort that they're putting in. And right. if they don't see a benefit from the, the effort, they're going to stop, stop putting in the effort. I know it sounds like common sense, but nobody does this stuff. <laughs> right. Like, right? I, I know it sounds, that sounds so idiotically simple it, it's the most basic thing it's it's what i love about natural medicine it's it's yeah. kind of the it's implicit to the thought process of it yeah we we care about the biomarkers and of course the testing is super important but it doesn't it doesn't outstrip the the actual living you know and the measurables that come with living like you're alluding to that yeah can you pick up the phone <laughs> you know what i mean um you know and it, it removes there, there's 
there's a certain part of the healing process that has to be and must be maintained as subjective, but you can still measure those subjective markers. And that doesn't, that doesn't render the results that you're getting any less, um, any, any less accurate or any less useful, especially it's actually more useful that especially when you can marry the biomarker picture with the actual living picture and you start seeing where those correlations are. That's what's been the most impressive for me learning about your work is seeing how, one of the things that I really love is I, I love seeing people's thought processes because you can see it in their work, you know, and your process is very clearly, I'm going to put these things together because a biomarker without the living subjective components is meaningless, just like the living subjective components without the biomarker doesn't help me know why something is actually working. And I think the thing that's the most reassuring for me here is that you have put yourself into the test, which is, I think, the hallmark of integrity, which I love hearing about. That's how I do everything as well. It's got to go through my body first. I got to know. Right, I got to feel. I got to figure out what's going on before I start asking other people to even contemplate. You know what's going on. So we have thirty seconds. I want to give you last thoughts and tell everybody again where they can find you. So, drgoodnow.com. There's a whole rabbit hole of information there on all different types of diseases. We have a new, <laughs> new uh, dementia recovery restoration clinic um, that's opening up. It's just our first customers coming in. It's a very very private exclusive. Six people per month is all, all we can handle. And our goal is to restore people's health and put them back in their homes indefinitely. And that's the big, the big issue. And then, of course, um, just follow our research in, in Alzheimer's and autism. We're seeing so many ch children get improved just by reducing their neurological inflammation. We can bring, we reduce the brain inflammation, restore myelination in these children's brains. Um, we see remarkable, remarkable recoveries in autism. Yeah. Hey, Amen. Doc, we're going to have to bring you back. I mean, there's so much that we have to talk about. We're going to have to bring you back, but thank you so much for spending time here with us. Again, go to drgoodnow.com and get the journey started with somebody who actually loves you that you maybe have never met. All right, folks, remember that the only medicine is natural medicine because natural medicine first does no harm. And there's so much we have to unlearn. And we're so lucky to have people like Dr. Goodnow helping us unlearn what was BS. So we can learn something better, something filled with love, logic, and with light as we are beings of light. So make sure when you look in, looking for healing, that you look in within yourself first. May God shine his divine light down upon us all, everyone we love and surround us in the protection of his warm and healing embrace. I'm Dr. Henry Ely, founder of the Energetic Health Institute. Make sure to tune in every Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific for more Looking for Healing Radio. And until then, I say to you, aloha. Adiós.